0: Welcome to the Bucket List Life Podcast with Trav Bell, the world's number one bucket list expert. Bucket List Life's mission is to help you get off the treadmill, stop groundhog days, hack your habits, and live a regret-free life. Because we know life's way too short not to live your bucket list life. So please welcome your host, Trav Bell, the Bucket List Guy.
1: Hey, bucket listers! Welcome to another episode of the Bucket List Life podcast. So stoked that you could join us
0: today. I've got Marcus Pierce. How are you, buddy? Trav, great to be with you. Great man. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, we're just talking about the podcast game. It's very courageous of you to enter the podcast fray, but uh, very grateful that you have made because you you share a great
1: message. Yeah. Now this is like what we're calling season two. Season one. Was all the crappy stuff I did on Zoom and through another platform, and didn't have these really flash microphones and cameras and stuff, which is what I've got now. So we're calling that season one, pre-season, and I did it. What it was about thirty? No, somewhat nearly fifty episodes, and I've relaunched it. Now that was sort of (laughs) pre-COVID. Then then COVID came around, went into survival mode. Podcast doesn't pay that well in the early stages, anyway. Pay me ten grand for this interview. But yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I I got a deal. I got a deal at eight. So
1: yeah, now relaunch it because you live, where are you? You're in Byron, yeah?
0: Yeah, Mullumbimby to be exact, but in the Byron Shire. So, uh, but a Melbourne boy uh, by childhood. But yeah, moved up here about
1: 10 years ago. Uh, we'll, We'll circle back to that. And I'm in Ocean Grove, which is about an hour and a half out of Melbourne. So we're not in the capital city. And, you know, all the guests that, especially you get on, you know, you've got on yours. I've got on mine a lot of them in different parts of the world. Uh, unfortunately, they can't visit our our studios, our really expensive studios in capital cities or be it at home <laughs> as frequently as we want them to. So we have to we have to resort to the online thing, you know, which is what a lot of people do, but at the end of the day, content is content, right? And yeah, we try and do the best with what we've got. And a lot of people watch podcasts, granted, but also a lot of people Listen to podcasts still, and yeah, man. Look, it's and it's a great networking tool, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, and it's also. I haven't caught on to the watching the podcasts yet, but those that are spending a lot of money on their production with multi cameras and all the rest of it, I get it that it's a it's a far more empowering uh medium medium to consume than, than mainstream media. But I just love. I flew in from Newcastle last night, and the plane was delayed by a couple of hours, and I thought I just need a dramatic, gripping. Podcast to listen to to get me home from Brisbane to Mullumbimby at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I love that I can choose that rather than something grab on the radio that I don't have any flexibility over. So I do think the podcast medium is just an incredible evolution of radio that I'm very grateful to be alive
1: at. Same here. Eh? I do too, and you know a lot of people watch YouTube, and I watch a lot of YouTube as well. But watching, you know, listening to the podcast is is you know the the multitasking of the of this century, right? It's a walk and a podcast. It's not a watch and a it's not a watch and a walk. Or you can't. Uh, I haven't worked it out yet. Although I have got a Tesla, I haven't worked it out just yet where I can watch YouTube and drive at the
0: same time. I don't think the male brain could ever evolve. Elon to shut be able that down drive and watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As tempting as it can be sometimes if your footy team's playing or there's something gripping, you feel like a menace to society if it's there. And that choice of consumption is something that, you know, our kids will never really understand, will they, in terms of the fact that, you know, they just think they can listen to whatever they want, however they want. You know, you and I grew up recording a song on the radio, onto a cassette, and then... If we wanted to listen to it, we'd have to find the cassette. It's probably buried under a bed or a pillow, or we'd hold on to that cassette and take it everywhere with us so that we could listen to our favorite song.
1: I, I remember the, uh, putting together mixtapes.
0: <laughs> Listening to the top 40 and recording your favorite songs. Ripping yeah. it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You're sitting by the radio. You're trying to time it, you know, ah. making sure the ads don't come
1: on, you know these kids have got no idea so um no absolutely phenomenal and you know like talking about podcasts what are your go-to podcasts you know what do you like that i listen to in your highlights reel there
0: oh actually i've got to get my phone it's funny i get my phone and to we've obviously this. got each other's in there let's just of course, all the time I mean, we, don't, oh my we God. don't get sick of each other or we can we could just be around each other all day <laughs> i do not listen to my own podcast as i'm sure Man, you yeah. don't listen to your own <laughs> i find myself often listening to ones that i've been interviewed on or are, or am preparing to be interviewed on, so that I can get a sense of the that podcast culture, particularly if I don't know the interviewer. So if I don't know them. So I was on a, a popular podcast with the females called Darling Shine, uh, maybe a month ago, and so so Chloe Fisher and Elodie Pullen, and it was real. It was just awesome, like binge listening to their podcast for a week or two beforehand. And then you just realize how, pod, how awesome podcasts are because there's so much diversity. And I think, and for everyone that listens to the, the Bucket List podcast and to 100 Not Out, we're not saying don't listen to our podcast, but you do get used to what you listen to. And I love, as I'm sure you do, you love your lifetime listeners. But if there's one thing I've noticed over the 10 plus years of podcasts is that loyalty is out the window. And we now listen to podcasts based on, is that guest interesting? Do I want to consume that type of content, that type of messaging? Um, I am a lot more inclined to listen to a guest being interviewed than I am a certain topic being discussed. Now, that's just my listening behavior. And at the same time, I'm lazy these days with interviewing guests in that I feel like Damien and I have so much to talk about as hosts on our podcast that we're constantly talking about we just recently did a five-part review of the four-part longevity series on netflix live to 100 because we just wanted to keep on talking about it which means we're not interviewing people but you know i go as a listener but i like to listen to interviews so it's a really interesting game podcast and consumer behavior
1: also add to that what mood you're in as well like i have i'm very deliberate in how i bookend my day you know, and how I get set up for, you know, whether it be keynote speeches or you know different things with you know throughout my day to get me get me in the mood, you know, getting in the zone. You know, for instance, I'll listen to the Smartless podcast, which I just absolutely love with Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean. What's his face? And
0: Sean. What's his face? I'm yeah, well, yeah, man.
1: yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah, but that's just a fun. That's just like entertainment, not educational, but entertainment and. As you would have heard before, you got to get that E to E ratio right throughout your day, and that's the education to entertainment ratio. If it's too much on the entertainment side of things, you're in for uh, you're probably not in for an exceptional life, mate. Yeah. You know, well, that's
0: a really great concept, that yeah. E because I think you often and you know you and I have very similar personalities in that you're always wanting to grow and get better and improve. But you often get the, well, I'm not going to talk for you, but I'll talk for me. You kind of get the guilts when you want a bit of entertainment. Yeah. Because you're thinking, no, but, you know, like, I'm on purpose and I've got this big mission and, you know, your message, Trav, is so inspiring and empowering. It's kind of like if I was in your hands, I'd be like, mate, if you're not doing that, then you're kind of wasting your time. You need to just be constantly barreling. But then you realize, no, I need to chill out. You can do too
1: much personal development. You can cook yourself and too much information. And that's, you know, we suffer from infobesity these days. There's just too much going on. And deciphering which which bits, which guests, like you said before, which mood I'm in. Because, you know, what we pay attention to on a day-to-day basis, you know, is so important, 168 hours in a day. Oh, sorry 100 24 hours hang on no. what am i trying to say well, 168 seven,
0: hours in a week you're living at seven speed you're at seven speed doing 168 hours in a day most of us are 168 hours uh, in, in a week isn't it I'm sixty-eight in a week that's it that's I'm, it i'm cooked already um yeah but on this because i had this exact conversation with someone yesterday where they go you get this all the time and this is so up the bucket list alley is like do you listen to this podcast have you read this book do you know this speaker and I'm like, haven't heard of that podcast, have never read that book, haven't heard of that speaker. And they're like, you what? And I'm like, I, I choose to be consciously ignorant of certain messages, um, even if they're buzz terms, whether it's kindness or mindfulness. Because I feel like as I get older and do a lot more speaking, and, and for those people that aren't interested in speaking, sorry, Trevor, oh I my going a bit of a speaking tangent in a minute. But you just want to hone your craft. So mine is longevity and life design. And I just want to get better and better and better at that, which means I have to become dumber and dumber and dumber at certain other areas that could distract me. But if I can't see a really obvious link to learning about it to help me share my message about living an exceptional life with others, then I'll just choose to not read that book. Demartini Martini's big on this. I'm sure you probably talk about this in your bucket list context. Like you've only got so many years left, which means if you can read 10 books a year and you've got 50 years left write your list of 500 books or maybe write your list of 400 and leave 100 on the go for spontaneity but you've only got a finite number left like don't read a shit book because time's running out
1: yeah yeah well we we, we we're in that attention trading business attention arbitrage business as Gary V puts it and there's only so much attention that we can give to things on a day-to-day basis. That's that's the thing. We're spread too thin, and I think you've just hit the nail on the head in terms of my whole life, mate. Because I don't know a lot about a lot of stuff, but know a lot about bucket lists. So I've had, I've got an inch wide, maybe even a centimeter wide, and a mile deep. You know, and I'm still going deeper and deeper on this topic as you are with um, the longevity and and lifestyle design, which we'll get into it. By the way, on that. How do you, this is going to be an interesting one, given what you do now compared to what you did in a former life, but let's say uh, you've traveled recently, you've traveled international recently, which you have, and what do you put on your incoming passenger card as in your, your occupation? Do you know now, it's so boring, I just write
0: director or business owner. Nah, there's no one pointing guns at you for that one, that's good. Nah yeah no, nah, because it, if it was life design strategist or longevity strategist or I don't know, do you ever put speaker? sometimes I do. I do. It um, got me in trouble. It got you in trouble.: There's a the whole thing there I was kicked out of America. Oh yeah,
1: I don't. Believe, okay, you've got to tell that story now. Just, now, real quick. So back in back in March, I was due to do this keynote gig in um, in Colorado, in the in, in near Vale, Colorado, a place called Beaver Creek, to these high net wealth bankers, and they're putting putting us up. Me and Tracy, my partner, she was coming over. She comes on. She comes on the road for the good ones. On the on the on the big ones, yeah. Yeah, on the big ones. So chalet for the week, unbelievable. You know, ski hire, the whole bit. Be- and um, and then I was going to go to the oh there you go 10x growth con afterwards down in Vegas with grand Cardone, so off we went. Been been back and forth to America so many times. Spoken over there sometimes free, sometimes paid. Did the flight 14 hours Melbourne to San San uh, Francisco to get a connecting flight to Vale. Anyway, got to the airport, showed them my um, passport. Homeland Security. They said, uh, "Why are you here? I'm here to." You know, go to a conference. Yep, cool. What do you do? I'm a speaker. I had speaker written on the incoming passenger card. Right, you speak in this conference? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, you're getting paid? Yep, here's my invoices. They're like, huh, you got the wrong visa for that. Oh, no. Um, flanked by two of Homeland Security into the room you don't want to go into.
0: The room that you walk past and be like, imagine going into imagine that room. Going, I went into that,
1: all guns oh blazing. My. Gosh. Um, they said, no, nah, you've uh, you got the wrong visa because you're on an ESTA, which is our visa waiver program. Because we, as Aussies, we can go to America and we can holiday. This is a wake-up call for every <laughs> fucking speaker I know, mate. Like, 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 every Australian speaker who's going over there. Yeah. Anyway, I'll tell you more offline. But at the end of the day, they um, they said, because you can't go over there just on an ESTA visa and get paid. You know, you're illegally working, Right. I had no idea because I've been over there. We get paid online sometimes a year in, out in advance and get paid online as a coach and speaker. They go, no, no, no. we're. Fred, um, you would have
0: been fine. If you had said it's a free gig, you would have been fine. If I said, no,
1: I'm just going to a conference, fine. Oh, my gosh. Um, um, or, yes, it was a free gig. That would be questioned because, you know, they'd go, oh, are you getting paid or not? If you're bullshitting, you could get done for fraud and never be allowed back in the
0: country. Now, I wasn't. I was just ignorant. No, Right. Oh, mate, I'd be like you. I'm so trusting and so can't tell a lie to save myself. Um, no, nah, me. You're just, you're just there doing the thing. No, nah, I'm about you, to save you. Save you I'm about room. to save you. Possibly years in jail and
1: a shitload of money. So, <laughs> oh, it's gnarly. So, I thought, this is therapy, by the way, guys. If you're listening, watching this right now,
0: therapy for you, mate. My blood, my blood pressure's gone up. My heart's beating. I'm starting to sweat. I'm thinking, oh my gosh.
1: Try, be in the room with you. My, Partner, she's on an Esther. She wasn't working. She was a passenger. And so they let her through, right, through to San, uh, San Francisco. And they said, No, what you've got to do, you're going to stay here. We're, we're going to send you back on the next flight back to Melbourne. You're going to go sort it out with a consulate and go and get the right visa. I went, Right. Am I being punked here? You know, like, like where's the cameras? Are we on border security. What's going on? Seriously, like, I've got a gig. Let, Show me the piece of paper, show me the box I've got to tick, and let's play on. Nah, dude, you're going to go home. Really? So, and I said, well, when, are you serious? Like, when's the next available flight then? You know, we're going to send you back on the next available flight. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. The next available flight was 11 o'clock that night. I said, right. Well, what am I meant to do before, you know, between, you're going to stay there.
0: No. We're no. going to take your phone.
1: We're going to take your phone. We're going to take your your or you or you start. And I had to ask to go for a piss. I had to ask to have a coffee. Had to ask to have some food. And they said, if you're at JFK Airport, where I was in San Francisco Airport, if you're in JFK Airport, we pos- you possibly would have been in a cell. I, went, what I the don't fuck? Really And so, mind you, at the bottom of the border in the US, there's like a conga line <laughs> coming in from South America. I'm going, dude. I'm here to motivate. Americans, you know, like like I'm here to do good, not evil. And they said, no, nah, no, nah, it's procedure. I said, well, what box do I am I meant to tick? I had seven different answers as to what visa I was meant to be on because we as speakers don't fit into a box. You know, we're not a sports star. We're not a movie person. We're not kind of an entertainer. I don't know. So 11 o'clock rolled around. i was sitting in this room all day and I could call Tracy and I was to meet her back on the plane. Walk back on the plane, literally with this. Here we go. his evidence. Walk back on the plane with this, with this thing, with all my documents in it and a sworn statement. And I'm getting led onto the plane again, flanked onto the plane by two from Homeland Security. The the pilot who was just behind, he's looked behind me and gone. It was so disappointed. I'm like, dude, I'm not fucking like another <laughs>
0: he was international like, drug you, dealer. You, is this on your bucket list to be repatriated home by the consulator?
1: No, no, I don't recommend anyone else do it. It's not a good experience. So I was in shock. And, you know, because my wings were clipped, you know, I've been working, working so, you know, so hard to get into a break into America, do all the right things. And, and here I was. So I've literally, you know, got home, went to the consulate and they, I got behind the line at eight thirty in the morning, Monday morning, and I got to the front of the line. They said, have you got a, got an appointment? I went,
0: Oh, dear. <laughs> oh Trav. They said, like- they said, fill out this
1: form. They said, fill out this form. And that was like hieroglyphics. And a month and a half later I had a meeting with them. Had to do the event online, missed out on the growth con, you know, thing that I was gonna the other conference that I was gonna go to. They were all cool. I hate letting people down like you. And yeah, did it online and then went to the meeting, fucked up the paperwork, didn't write because it's super confusing got an immigration lawyer who's also a speaker agent over in the US who knows this stuff really well an Aussie who's based in the US he walked me through it all and we did the right thing and I literally got it 2 weeks ago so now I've got a so US now you can go and do your gig a US US work visa for the next 3 years and it's what what they call an O1 visa so you got to go and get a host you got I had to go and get all these you know recommendations from CEOs from clients you know signed agreements people want me over there and Dude, mate there you go Jeez. we'll talk i'll, I'll give you the lawyer's number after uh, after i get on and <laughs> get off to school because you want to crack it into america so that uh, was not part of my exceptional life so well
0: it is. you just hadn't written a script it was uh that was a trip to grandma's house that you weren't expecting and it's um oh mate those experiences so I, you know when the incoming passenger
1: card Let's just put director on there, business owner, entrepreneur. I reckon adult film star would probably get you in less fucking trouble than
0: speaker. <laughs> oh, I swear to God. I swear to God. That's just... When you were asking me what that... I was like, is this a lead-in to like... It wasn't you know, a lead-in to my... People, you know, that you do for a living... And it's like, oh, you know, it changes every day, speaker, author, you know, one-on-one mentor, whatever. I wasn't expecting that we were going to go down this rabbit hole. Have you been kicked out of America on your way? My heart was racing. I, I was 15 minutes late to a gig yesterday because I got given the wrong venue details by my agent. And I was going, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be left on the side of the road without a venue. You're on the other side of the planet. You can't even get in. Sure.
1: I thought I was getting punked, or I was going to end up on telly, you know, border security or something like that, and be one of those guys, mate. Uh, when did your book come out? I want to know. Was that a couple of years ago?
0: Now, twenty twenty one. Yeah, because I think you and I were chatting at around about that time because we both have the same publisher, and we were go talking about the the exciting process that is writing a book. And, <laughs> did it take you ten years to write it, like me? Uh, yeah, mine was five years. It was version fourteen was the published edition. I. I had this epiphany doing in a um, a session with clients. I had four of my like mastery clients in a room, and I was like, "If you were to die in 180 days, you know everyone's got these goals, and we've got our bucket lists and all the rest of it. Then you then you know you're going to die in 180 days. What are the three things that you make happen, knowing that you're going to die in six months? And all of a sudden, instead of going from like earn a million dollars, it's like Get my life insurance sorted. The documents are on the desk. We never sign them. It's always this much. We never do it. All of the outcomes changed. And whilst they were doing it, I was doing it for myself. Going, if I died in six months, I would want you know my online programs and my podcasts and my speaking and all my slide decks are also scattered. The IP is everywhere. I would want my kids to know what Dad thought on how to live. So my six months goal was right. Just write a manuscript for a book. Just the breakfast. And I got up at 5 a.m. every morning, spent an hour writing it. Then I'd go work out. And six months later, I had this manuscript. And I'm sure you and every other author is like this. is Once you do that, and you, you know it's a dog break, dog's breakfast, but you know you've got mojo and momentum. It becomes a bit compelling and you want to make it better. And then you want to make it better. And then... I think you and I got chatting when you hit that kind of sticky point of like, oh shivers! I'm going to actually get this published now, which means you can't edit it anymore. You can't. You got to carve off that chapter of that chapter
1: of your life, right? And go, you know what? 80 percent done, 100 percent out there. That's what we're going to yeah. focus
0: on. Yeah, and I know Stephen King calls it murder your darlings. You've got to look at pages of your book and go, that can't make the cut. Even though you're writing and going, but that's the best. Like, how could that not be in there? And you've got to, you've got to murder. Your you're right
1: there, you. that's book two. The makings of book two. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I got another. I got another. I think uh, in my uh, Google Drive, I think I've got another five books. <laughs> you know, just ideas. <laughs> that, uh, mate, how's it gone? How's the book gone? It's been getting out there. You've got some press. Talk me through that. How's it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what are people saying? I like books as a bookworm. Again, you and I have got bookshelves behind us. Is oh, like- this is fake. This is far. I haven't read any of these. Yeah, mine's a virtual Zoom background. background. <laughs> um, the thing about a book is that you do get the blood, sweat, and tears of people in your hands. And so I love – people talk about books as a glorified business card. I feel like books are so much more valuable than business cards. Business cards, are don't know about you, Trav, but like if I get business cards, they end up in the bin. Sorry to anyone that's given me a business card. But, like, you end up looking at it going, what am I going to do with this? I'll, You know, I mean, maybe purpose is I'll put their number in my phone and I'll chuck the card out. But, a book, you know, this thing I did in Newcastle yesterday, I only took two books with me. And the two people that I gave them to, the event manager and the MC, they were so grateful because I had an interest in life design and longevity. But there's something special about books. And then you get messages said to – Danny, the event manager, she messaged me going, oh, I was up till 10 o'clock last night reading your book. I couldn't put it down. I was like, thank you so much. Because all authors love reader feedback. They love to know that their book is being read. Actually read. Um, actually, yeah, actually read. Finished. and I'm not sitting on the bookshelf. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. One, one chapter um, wonder.
0: Yeah. So, and I suppose for me, I always wanted to write a timeless book. I didn't want to write a book. You know, you and I have similar books in it. You could read it at any time, 1980 or 2080. And it'll still have an impact on your life. And so for me, I'm just, I'm uh, grateful is not the word. I'm fulfilled that I put the effort into writing a timeless book and not a trendy book or a fatty book, a book that is still two years old and, yeah, can still get mainstream media and and use that as a great leverage point from a credibility perspective. I put a lot of research and detail into it as a way for people to go, yep. He's serious. We can have him on, you know, today's show or a podcast, or whatever, and know that they're not talking to a peanut. Because as an XTV TV producer or radio producer, there's no greater frustration than getting a peanut onto your show and it's on you, the producer, going, Why did I get them on? They weren't even good talent. And I think someone that writes a book genuinely has a lot to talk about.
1: So, mate, tell me what led your backstory? What led you up to being.
0: Would you say a longevity expert? Is that the niche? Well, I think if you know more than 90% of the population, I think you are probably, you can call yourself an expert. I'm always a learner though. So I, I feel a bit self-conscious in saying that, but I'd be quite confident to say I know more about longevity than 95% of the population. But that's only because I've interviewed centenarians and graceful ages for the last 10 years. And you see patterns, you know, when you had all of your gyms, You'd see patterns in the way people behave and the way they train and so on. You know what's going to happen. You know, as a speaker, you begin to see patterns of you know, the way you say things and when you say them and pausing for effect and so on and so forth. And so the same with interviewing and researching longevity. You can see patterns in people. And, you know, I don't pretend to have all the answers because we're always learning. But I think there's one thing I've noticed over the last 10 years is that when we started what the 100 Not Out podcast, there were no other Aging Whale well longevity podcasts. We were a bit edgy, a bit out there. Whereas now, the best thing is, is that longevity is mainstream, but it's actually become multi-stream. I'm very much lifestyle longevity in that you're going to die, but you're probably going to outlive your life expectancy by 15 years. Someone in their 80s right now is only expected to get to 65, 66, and they've already outlived their life expectancy by a couple of decades. People that are born today are a flip of the coin to hit 100. Someone in their 40s is a 1 in 5. Someone in their 70s is a 1 in 10. They're not Tad numbers anymore, but there's another stream of longevity, which is that very medical longevity, which I don't have a problem with, but it's just not my stick. And there's also the 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 more Brian Johnson, who has this blueprint methodology. And I ask you about, about him and right. what your thoughts were about Brian Johnson? It's a different philosophy. His whole philosophy is don't die. His philosophy is as human beings, he's looking a million years into the future and he's saying that we right now are pretty much living out of a primitive brain just like hunter gatherers were living out of a hunter gatherer brain and we are just so infantile in our thoughts around living now he's way up there like that's just not that's not my life purpose that's not my game just for
1: our, our listeners and watchers, if you don't know Brian Johnson, he sold a tech
0: company, didn't, didn't he,
1: for, for millions, got a fair bit in the bank and just got right into longevity. So he spends
0: how much per week or a year or something? on Two million US a year on essentially bringing all of his bodily organs, including his penis. He measures his nighttime erections as a biomarker for his longevity and so on. He wants every organ in his body to be an 18 year old, like biological age of an 18 year old. Well, again, like I'm not dissing it. It's not, it's just not the way I go.
1: Let's say Brian Johnson's on a, like a 10 out of 10 for the longevity extreme because you can go bioact the shit out of yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. And, but where do you
0: draw the line? You know, everyone's got a line that they draw. Well, it's I like, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I know where my line is being drawn the more innovative technologies come out. So, And again, I want people to recognize here that this is not judgment and I'm not looking down or condescending on anyone that's doing their thing. It's just not my bag. So uh, Dave Asprey, who many people would know, uh, Bulletproof, all the rest of it, he's now quite big into gene therapy and using gene therapy as a way to, again, improve your biomarkers for uh, longevity. His view is that we should be looking at at least 140 years of age and maybe even 180 years of age. And again, that's just not my level. I feel that philosophically we would really struggle if we knew that we had six or seven generations either ahead of us or behind us. I don't think socially and culturally we could necessarily adapt as quickly as the technology might be adapting to living to 140. We've only ever had one human being hit 120 and we actually debate whether that even happened the whole Jeanne calmon 122 years 164 days there's a view that that was her 99 year old daughter who took over her mother's identity to avoid inheritance tax in France and this happened quite easily at the time because the wars i think it was world war 1 or world war 2 was happening and so they kind of got away with it and you look at the research and you're like actually Yes, the younger Jean Calmon doesn't look like the older Jean Calmon and they measured all the facial features and the height and all of the things and you think actually no one paid enough attention to the details.
1: Wow, so- I didn't know any about anything about that. Is that a fair income and, and
0: that's a that's the theory or that's Conspiracy theory or theory. Again, it's done. This will almost sound racist because people will go to the bias, but the research was done out of Russia. So even as I say that, people would be like, oh, it's probably bulldust then. When you look at it and you look at, there's a Medium article by the researcher on it and he shows all the photos. Like I think the photos are the things that really get me. So if that's the case, we haven't even hit 120. Like we say we have, but there's only one human being in the history of humanity that's hit 120 so i again i'm a raging optimist but i'm more about we just have to put this is why i love your message trev it's all about putting quality into the quantity of your life who cares about quantity if you don't have quality the average australian has 12.1 years of morbidity which is a fancy word for shitness to end their life. Increased med, years in a nursing home, social life becomes the waiting room of the doctor's office. That is the life of many Australians. At 70.9 years of age, just a month shy of your 71st birthday. Technically, it's all going downhill for people and nobody wants that. No one wants that. So- Welcome
1: back to the Optimism Podcast here, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the big issues with uh, Marcus Pierce. He's just Yeah,
0: on uh, get us to death's doorstep, like straight away. But what is the use of getting 140? If all the technology in the world can keep you alive, and there's this great Greek myth around Tithonius, I think it was, and I think Athena was his wife, and and Zeus granted Tithonius um, immortality, but essentially forgot to grant him good health. And so he withered on the vine, and sadly, that's how a lot of people's lives are ending. That's why I say, who cares how much money you've got if you've got no friends, you've got no health, you can't stand your family, you're bored out of your brains, you've got money in the bank and you can be kept alive. Like, what's the use? But also,
1: I guess if, you know, I'm just thinking and thinking out loud there, if you're going to go after longevity, then society's also got to catch up with that as well because, you know, what's retirement age here in Australia? I was at 67 now? 67, something like that. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, for a lot of people, you know, they down tools and they stop working, you know. Obviously, and they go into retirement. And the images of retirement certainly don't sell me. No way. Year of life behind the, behind being born, dude. And like, how many people? How many people exit their businesses or retire and work their guts out to get the big paycheck t- and get the superannuation, the four hundred one k over in America, and then have five good years and then then croak it. It's like that is the most the saddest thing I can think of. Right? You've worked your guts out probably been dissatisfied disengaged for a lot of that otherwise you'd probably still be doing it just to get to that payday and then hopefully everything's rosy after that but for a lot of people it isn't and so you know that maybe has to be re-looked at for us to catch up with you know living longer because we've got to keep stimulated we've got to keep growing we've got to keep the mind stimulated let alone the body
0: right and this is a hundred percent and this is why again the messages that you and i share is like we've got to do this now like Dementia, half of dementia would disappear if we moved 30 minutes a day, which is disgusting and amazing all at the same time. That means that how many people are not moving 30 minutes a day and how easy is it to prevent? Technically, it's 42% of dementia would disappear if we were sufficiently physically active. So it's like, okay, and it takes 10 to 50 years to hit diagnosis. So someone in their 40s that says, I'm too busy to exercise, It's like, well, then you won't be too busy to have eight years diagnosis to death in your 70s. Like, and that that sounds brutal and it sounds a bit flippant. But again, this is the third leading cause of death in Australia. A lot of people think it's a normal part of aging. It's anything but a normal part of aging. It's common, but it's not normal. And people have got a perception around aging that is so fatalistic and it's not the case it's not how some graceful ages choose to do it yeah mate look and talk about gracefully
1: aging you may or may not have seen this but on my bucket list you know as mr bucket list guy is to become a centenarian right i put it on there. i put it on there years ago i don't know if you saw on the gram did you see the tattoo
0: uh i don't know if i have
1: okay so the algorithm may not have given it to me no no well well, well this is live people I don't know if you can see that, but I've got to tell you. Oh,
0: 1973 to 2073.
1: 1973 to 2073 with a big plus or a little plus. So psychosomatic, I'm looking at that in the mirror and it's getting worse, you know, that view in the mirror every day. I'm getting better. I'm north north of 50 now. And at the end of the day, I'm going to try and play tricks on myself to, to live beyond 100. But it's that reminder of going to 100, even though I say, you know, the average age of death is around 80. But, but, um, and I might have to change the book in due course, <laughs> you know, add some more squares. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, there's no one, no, like you said, like someone's lived to 120, but all the, the longevity experts, with all due respect, everyone out there, no one's actually got any proof that all the biohacks actually work, you know. Like you can experiment all you like and stuff, but it's like, huh,
0: okay. Cold plunges, the red light therapy, the, the you know, the this, the that. I've never found a centenarian that said it's my eyes, bars, it's my meditation, it's my vegan diet, it's my biohacking, it's my infrared sauna. I, I knew I'd, I, I knew I'd be. Done. You getting me? Mean? You're triggering me now. Like <laughs> they all, they so many centenarians have the worst diets this is this is the stuff that people don't want to think about in their 30s and 40s but they're scared of turning 50 and they think aging happens aging happens to them when they're in their 70s and i'm like this happens when you're in your fives and tens and fifteens and if you're 20s scared of turning 30 and you're in your 30s considering getting botox because you want to look younger i'm like oh hold on a minute like you have this one liner it's a something about it's like a neck up check up from the neck up type thing it's like People really need to consider what they're saying to themselves. People lose seven and a half years of their life just by believing that their best years are behind them, that it's all downhill from here, that they're a burden on society as they get older. That's Yale research that that interviewed 600 people over the course of 20 years. The people with a disempowered view of aging die seven and a half years earlier that's just a belief we're not even talking about movement and social and that's you're full of stats mate that's a hell of a stat and that's a a psychological i could give you more stats yep but i think this is the key man this is what we've got to be mindful of aging is happening to every single one of us right now and longevity is no longer newsworthy longevity is happening to every single one of us but the quality longevity can only happen by us we are the ones that can create the quality of our longevity, and that's really what everybody wants. It's a big, you know. Wh- and again, how, how old are you now? Forty-two. I'm an eighty-one baby. Oh
1: wow, God, I was I was popping a lock and locking back in
0: eighty-one.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, and and so don't do that on camera ever again, Trev. So, you know, longevity is a hot topic. And you've already touched on a few. What are the biggest misconceptions about it?
0: Well, for younger audiences, it's that they're biohacking their way to longevity and I still can't find a culture that that's the case. I think another big misconception is that you are what you eat. I definitely believe having interviewed centenarians for years, it's that you are what you think and you are how you move, physical vitality trumps a great diet all day long. Putting great fuel in the car, but not moving the car. We all know that that would be stupid to put the best fuel in the car every day and not move the car. Like there would be an excess of fuel, which is what we have with our obesity epidemic is, I don't have to tell you this, we have an excess of fuel hanging around our midriff and our butts and our legs and whatever. And social activity, as COVID you know, really demonstrated, Social activity is a nutrient to physical health and disease prevention. And again, Harvard research will tell you that people with great social lives and average diets live longer than people with great diets and average social lives.
1: Wow. What do you call an average social life? I've got to check in with myself. What's it? I no, you well, to get I some more mates.
0: you go down to the cafe, you go, You know people down to the cafe, you know people down to the gym. You're probably doing a bit of extracurricular activity, whether it's a midweek tennis or you're on know, for a surf. I know you love a surf. So you've got it. Like it's anything that is engaging with humanity. Your family is your social life, your friends, your extracurricular, whether it doesn't matter. It's engaging with humanity. But again, Tony Robbins, one liner, you become who you hang around. Then I go, so dot, dot, dot. Who are you hanging around? Like over have us like, do you love where you live? I don't care about your house. Yes, that's an important, but do you love your community? Community comes from the French word communauté, which translates to public spirit. What is the public spirit of where you live? Ocean Grove is great. My sister lives in Armstrong Creek. That whole Geelong, Torquay, Ocean Grove region, it's got a great public spirit. Regionals often do it better than urbans because people feel lost in urban cities and so on. But it doesn't mean that you can't have it. It can just be a little bit more tricky. And you can, yeah, and you get it. Like a
1: lot of people, as you know, like a lot of people live reactively rather than proactively. So if you want to, if, if your friend group is, I could go on and on about this and so could you. If your friend group is not serving you, it's okay to cull. It's okay. Go find another herd to hang around with where you get love and acceptance from. But instead of rebounding back and forth, back to this, the one that you've always known, you might not be happy within that friend group. It's okay. I'm always upgrading. And I'll say that out loud. I'm always upgrading. I'm always looking for another pack of lone wolves who are running at a different pace. And I and I certainly am very proactive about finding newer, more interesting, stimulating, where I can add value and, and vice versa. You know, that's what it's all about. I'm looking forward to the next person I, I meet rather than staying put. So that's a bit, you know, living proactively rather than reactively, getting on the front foot and observing that,
0: you know, where you want to go and getting the, the right people around you. This is a big one for longevity, right? Absolutely. And socializing does require leadership. People aren't going to call you. Post COVID killed it. Killed it off. You've got to make the phone calls. You've got to call your mates to say, let's go down to the pub. You've got to call your girlfriends and say, let's have a girls weekend away. You've got to organize the midweek tennis or the table tennis team or whatever it is. No one else is going to do it for you. And we're brutal about this in business where we hire and fire based on performance. But why don't we do it for our lives? If our friends are not performing and we've held them to account and we've actually recognized that it's not serving us, we're not the best version of ourselves around certain people, you are allowed to stop spending time with them. And you are allowed to upgrade your peer group and go and find, like you said, your lone wolves running at a different pace. and that will We do it in business every day. Yeah. High performance sport. Yeah, always seeking different masterminds and whatnot.
1: Mate, um being a, uh, a lifestyle design expert, longevity expert, talk me through you and Damien, Christoph, did a bit of a blue zone tour.
0: Yes, yeah, we've been going there since twenty sixteen. Ickadaya.
1: Talk me through that again, how it kind of briefly how it relates to what was on Netflix about the blue zones and
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Because that the blue zones has been around since National Geographic did all their research at the turn of the century. And we've been taking small groups to the Greek island Ikaria since 2016 and more recently to Sardinia, the Italian island. But there's some big differences there. And the reasons why we take small groups there is because we want people, you know, that De Martini line, you can't stick your hand in a pot of glue without some of it sticking. It's not about going to Ikaria and living there. It's going... I'm going to stick my hand in the pot of Icaria glue for uh, 10 days and I'm going to take some of that wisdom back to Australia, wherever our attendees live, and apply their wisdom for how to live. Because in Australia, we have a very fractured longevity culture. You know, you've know, you got a neighbor down the road around the corner in the back house that's 102, but you only see her once a year and you don't really know much about his or her life. We have a fractured longevity culture. In Ikaria Population, 8,500 people, small island, 250 square kilometers. The lifestyle is the same wherever you go. So you can see a longevity culture and a longevity lifestyle for 10 days, immerse yourself in it. And you go, oh, yeah, they, instead of driving, they would walk. They would say, why drive when you could walk? They would never drink alcohol alone. They would live alone, perhaps, like 91 year old Barso, who you see in the Netflix series. And Dan Butner says, What's your favorite herbal tea? And she says, red wine. And he's like, oh hilarious. And it's true, she loves a drink. But so Vaso is the auntie of Thayer, who we stay with, we stay with Thayer and Ilya and their family in this village called Nas. Now, the village of Nas, which is where National Geographic were based, they are all related. 70 to 80 people, cousins, first cousins, second cousins, aunties, uncles, you name it. So Vaso is Thayer's auntie. Vasa has been living by herself for 25 years. Vaso says, I live alone, but I am not lonely. And again, in if you want want to drink, you would never drink alone. You would pick up your wine and you would go and knock on your neighbor's door and go, let's have a drink. And you would never drink on an empty stomach. In Australia, we would say eating is cheating. In Ikaria, you would always have food with you. You'd always eat before you drink. You would always eat whilst you would drink. And again, you would always drink with others because that elongates the experience. They want the alcohol to absorb slowly. They would frown upon getting drunk. They love tipsy. They could drink all day, but they want the experience. They want to be dignified in their experience. They want to have great magical moments. They want bucket list experiences with their family and friends, and they don't want the wine to ruin them. They want the wine to complement the experience. And so I could hang on about this forever, Trav, but yeah, there's a lot of little that happened just number one where i've been getting it wrong with the drinking right there uh <laughs> we have a terrible drinking culture in australia it's very immature oh, you know it's... we just don't do it well we've never been taught we've been, we're a convict nation we've never been taught how to master the art of alcohol we've never learned the art of food again we, there's a great roche foucault one-liner to eat is a necessity to eat intelligently is an art like what good is it having an organic chicken salad if you wolf it down do not chew Eat alone and have no experience in your grass-fed, grass-finished beef stew. Like it doesn't make sense. But we've become so transactional and status-oriented around our lifestyle that we've actually forgotten the the art of living. Mate, you better wrap me up. I'm chewing your ear off here. And no, no, too. this is
1: this is really good stuff, man. Like I really, uh, we could go. We'll do. We'll do chapter two. But uh, so, given all those experiences and where you've gone and you've hung out with all the old crew and. What have you taken away for you yourself personally? How does all those experiences, yeah, how does that play out in the day-to-day life of you with the goal of living an exceptional life and the longevity play?
0: Yeah, sure. So I won't go into the big world views because I feel like that would take me a while to unpack, but just little things. I don't have a watch because when I look in Icaria, the time... You recognize that time is either anxious or guilt orientated. You're anxious about the future or guilty about the past because you're late. Or, or so they don't do time any cutier. Everything is ish, seven ish. They'll have breakfast at eight ish, dinner at seven. It drives some people wild. The A type personalities, you know, the coffee doesn't come in two in two minutes. You know, they're like, "Where's my coffee?" You know, <laughs> um, things like serving the meals family style. So we've got four kids. You've got four kids. How, who am I to know if my kids need fats, proteins, or carbs on any given day? So we lay the food out on the table, which is very Mediterranean, and the kids choose. Maybe it's chicken wings. Maybe it's drumsticks. Maybe it's chicken breast. Maybe it's more vegetables. Maybe they're having more rawness on that day. Why am I the one putting the meat and three veg, or there's your meal? That's just not, again, we go, oh, yeah, that's not how it's done. They would only get off small plates in Ikaria. Again, very Mediterranean, that type of concept. But small plates, more incidental movement, not just working out for 30 minutes and then that's it for the day. Like doing walking and talking phone calls, any excuse to kick a soccer ball with my boys or get moving. Socially, being so more good at just switching off at the end of the workday and then just chilling out with friends and family, having a beer with neighbours at 4.30 in the afternoon, particularly during covid and, going, you know, I'm got to down tools and, like, I need a social commute home, if you know what I mean. I need to just tone it down. you got to build that in,
1: right? you got to bookend your day. You go from the monkey mind to uh
0: all you know, that. it your head and into your body. And all that stuff they do innately, they just it's, – it's been built and passed on generation, 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 generation. Whereas what's been passed on generation, 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 generation it's more like trauma, trauma, alcoholics, abuse, you know, work work hard never see your family no. like it's just so different so again i could talk on my own personal insights forever uh siesta which translates to actually six hours after work um ilia is in the blue zones um netflix series a bit he's the one banging on to me about this he will always rest six hours after he started working like religiously and he's a farmer and I'm like, oh, yeah, we talk about it in the wellness world about, oh, you've got to, you know, you're actually going low blood sugar and you need to start fasting and whatever. Maybe you just need a nap for 20 minutes. It does one Power naps, yeah. Power nap. you know. Yep. So, yep. yeah, all these things, man. But, again, I'm conscious of time day.
1: What do you got going on at the moment? What? How can people connect
0: with you? You know, how can people get in your world? Yeah, yeah, sure. There's, there's pretty much small, medium, or large. If they just want a little dip their toe in the water, just uh i do this exceptional life quiz it's just a uh, rate the eight areas of life out of 10 free quiz takes two seconds go to markuspierce.com.au, fill out the quiz and rate your own exceptional life see where the improvements can be made there's a book obviously and then if they want to do in-person stuff i run an event in byron bay every year which again is at my website and uh, we're off to icaria and sardinia in august and september next year so all the details at the website marcuspierce.com.au
1: perfect bro all right hey look Get around marcus pierce is uh, absolutely awesome love the book mate love the you know the thought leadership around longevity
0: thanks a lot for being on the show Well, right, trav thanks for having me look forward to doing it again brother thanks so much for listening to the bucket list life podcast with the world's number one bucket list expert trav bell for more great content go to www.thebucketlistguy.com we'll see you next time